Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas. I've got one of my co-hosts with us today, Jeff Rutt. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Matt. How's it going? We've got, as he just previewed, Matt Morris with us, who is the uh, former CEO of Stewart Information Services. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. And he's had quite a journey, a multi-generational business that he's run. He's in a season of transition, a uh, wonderful, strong believer, very generous person. So we're just thrilled to have you here, Matt. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. All right, Jeff, you want to kick it off with some yeah. questions? Welcome, Matt. Really, uh, it's such a privilege to have you here and uh, just love your heart for ministry, your heart for generosity. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? And yeah, tell us a little bit about that season of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll start by thanking you all for doing this. I think I've had conversations with both of you over the years on just the need for more people speaking into um, you know business leaders and just the opportunity that exists to be a redemptive presence for Christ in the marketplace. And so this is one of those avenues. So thank you all for taking your time and doing this. Just quick background. I really grew up in Houston and this has been home. And so it's, it's nice to do this podcast in, in Houston with Jeff in the office, but I uh, grew up with a strong family of believers. And I go back generationally and uh, think about that a lot, that God's been gracious to, to, to my family of holding people fast to him and, and giving people meaning and direction. So, you know, blessed to grow up in a, in a home and a, in a caring environment uh, with uh, two parents and a brother, all consistent followers of Christ. And pointed me, you know, to him. I grew up in the church here. Like I said, had one brother and uh, went to college at SMU in Dallas. And not to get, you know, too specific, but even in that period of my life, you know, really thankful for the grounding that I had had growing up. You know, intellectually, it was probably a, you know, a journey to really understand what my faith was and theologically understand, you know, how everything tied together in the midst of a lot of people telling me what I believed was wrong. Um, but, yeah. but even during that trying time, you know, what was blessed to, you know, just try to be in, but not of, and, you know, uh, joined a fraternity, ended up being president of that fraternity, uh, but was able to, you know, start a Bible study in that and just see God wow. work, you know, in great ways. And so ended up working for a couple of years and then going to get my MBA at uh, UT in Austin and uh, ended up getting married there to my wife, Melissa, and we met at, at SMU. Okay. Um, my senior year. And so awesome. um, anyway, that's, that's a little bit of the background yeah. there. Yeah. So today, uh, family size, what do you, you have four boys? Yes. Yeah, so what four like, boys. Uh, um, what was it like having uh, three of them being teenagers at the same time? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, our, our kids have been really a, a blessing. And again, I, I credit that to obviously the grace of God, but also a, a wonderful wife, you know, along the way. And yeah, four boys, 
The oldest actually just graduated from Baylor and has uh, started his first real job up in Dallas and have one at, at UT right now. And then uh, we'll be a senior in high school. And then we have also one going into the sixth grade. So we still have a while to go. Um, but, you know, th- thankfully, all, all, all following God right now and, uh, you know, feel, feel very blessed. I have a lot of fun with them right now, kind of trying to meet up with them during the summer at different places they're at. But um, yeah. You know, they, it, it's been been fun with them. That's awesome, Matt. Give us a little bit. I know you've, uh, you've done a fair amount of traveling with them around the world. Just give us a few seconds, maybe a minute of what was it like to experience other parts of the world with your boys? Yeah. And again, I, I credit my parents for really opening you know my eyes to this. And, you know, Jeff, we've talked about this, but my family's been involved with the Ministry of Living Water here, um, was one of the first, uh, one of the first trips out in Kenya. And so the boys actually for my father, this was a long time, well, a while ago, but for one of his birthdays, uh, we took the whole family together to drill a water well. I think that was in Honduras. Um, my brother actually ended up being, he, he's a, a physician, but um, worked in Honduras for a couple of years and family went down there to help him with his medical practice in a, in a village, literally in the middle of nowhere. When the kids actually graduated eighth grade, we've taken them and a group of 12 friends from their school uh, to drill a well in a different country in, in uh, Central and South America, which is really eye-opening. They, they all went to a, you know, a smaller Christian, but, but more affluent school here in Houston. And most of their friends had not experienced poverty or this type of situations we were going into. And so leading those trips was a blast. Um, being able to go to you know, Africa, but I would say, I mean, all this you know, I understand gets a little bit to privilege and, and big trips, which, you know, are, are costly. Even on smaller trips, I feel like we, we try to integrate, you know, some notion of what's going on in that community. And again, a recent trip that we had, we, you know, actually, you know, connected, you know, with a local ministry in town, just seeing what they're doing in that area. So we always try to add fun. Again, it's it's four boys. Usually has to be active. Somebody wants to hunt. Somebody wants to play golf. Somebody wants to do, do you know, so usually active vacations, yeah. um, but we're always trying to engage in what God's doing and wherever we are and just, you know, connect with the ministry and say, hey, what's what, what's God doing in your area? And yeah. you know, I think that perspective, especially when you get to other countries, is, is so helpful to see what God God's doing outside of our, you know, kind of little, little kingdom that we make for ourselves where we live. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. I think, that, uh, I personally believe that some of the most valuable hours and, and resources that you could really invest in your kids was making sure they had that, that Christian worldview and could see what, you know, a big part of the world lives like. And I, I believe that that most likely impacted them long-term, but that's, that's, that's a real blessing. Let's let's move on to the next chapter. So tell us about uh, what after your MBA was your yeah what'd your career look like at that point? Yeah, so you know my career and I'll, I'll step back a little bit to grad school. I was actually I, I did you know auditing in between undergrad and and grad school. In grad school, I've, I've you know kind of mentioned this. You know, faith has always been a strong part of of my life, and really as school was ending up, I had I was looking at an offer, kind of the traditional consulting side and, you know, kind of going down that path. But I started feeling very uneasy about where I was headed. And two things, I had the last round interview with an investment bank 
and meeting with the founder of the investment bank. And he's like, this is great. When you fall in love with money, come back and talk to me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You disqualified yourself by not loving money enough. I love that story. And, and so, I mean, that, that hit me kind of hard. And I was like, wow. what, what am I doing? Yeah. And, um, and one of my classes, one of the professors really started asking. It, it was actually, a, you know, obviously all these case study classes and this case was about very successful entrepreneur who really had no planning, died of a heart attack at 40. And it was just kind of a nuance of a case that wasn't really the implement, but he, he just asked flippantly, like, you know, make, make sure you know what you want on your tombstone so you can plan ahead for, you know, these catastrophes the business may face. And somehow we got a discussion of what you want on your tombstone. And I won't get into what the responses were, but I realized I was different. I'll just put it that way. Um, and it, it went back to that. And I just, I remember putting my hand up and I said, I, I want to be known as a man after God's own heart. And that night, actually, uh, a guy here in Houston called me and um, mentioned uh, you know, a minister who was actually leaving a ministry in Waco and uh, had an idea to do an you know, international collegiate ministry, which is passion. It's, it still exists today, uh, record label conferences. And so um, ended up connecting with him, kind of left the corporate side, told my wife and probably more importantly, my wife's parents that, uh, yeah, that, that MBA uh, salary wasn't going to be there and did that. And it was, it was a great season. So uh, work with Louis Giglio at Passion really as that was starting up, ended up starting another, you know, we had a Another ministry that I started doing a singles ministry in Austin and San Antonio and, and Kerrville. I uh, worked in the Texas legislature for a while. And so uh, probably not your traditional path uh, after grad school. I started a Christian lifestyle magazine called 316. Tony Evans was our first uh, person on the cover. Um Media and print media, you know, even if this was what 19, you know, 90, you know, or early on, but, but, you know, even difficult business at the time. But anyway, did that, you know, different things for about five or six years. Passion really culminated in an event called One Day, which was in May of 2000. We had 40,000 college students in, in Memphis together and really felt a freedom. That's really was the initial vision we set out to accomplish. Um, and one of the, one of our primary donors was on me. He kind of had a smaller family, well, really family office here in Houston that ended up coming and working for and running several of his, his businesses, um, you know, for the next uh, five years. And, I should probably stop and, and let me ask you, uh, no, you know, y'all can ask a question, but this will bridge into no, the, yeah, the, no, the steward example. That's so great. I mean, what a varied, uh, what a varied <laughs> background. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. It doesn't have nearly all, you don't have enough pages. Okay. For all of that <laughs> stuff, but, but you know what somebody walking down the street may not know if they don't know you well, or live in Houston is uh, you're from Kind of a, I'll say it because you'd never say it this way, sort of a famous Christian family in Texas and in Houston specifically, a family that had started a title company over 100 years ago, right? And lots of family members, literally named after your family. And so I can only imagine that you kind of always knew that was out there. Your dad ran it, all those kind of things. And so what were those conversations like? Did you feel pressure to go in that direction? You certainly weren't doing it early, as we just heard described. Yeah. But tell us about that family business and how did that loom or not loom in your life? Yeah. Up, you know? yeah. No, it's, 
Yeah, both on, on business and you mentioned the Christian side. My, my yeah. pastor tells people I'm part of the Christian mafia, which I'm there not you sure go. that is. Can yeah. <laughs> a mafia be positive? Maybe. I don't know. We got to look up the definition. But, uh, you know, as, as it relates to, you know, to, to Stuart, it was, you know, started in 1893 in Galveston. And yeah, my... Um, your know, grandfather and his brother actually, Ruth Morris has bought it from the, you know, from the other side of the family, bought out the Stewarts okay. and uh, company went public in the seventies. And um, then my father and his cousin actually were co-CEOs, you know, and, and this will go back and, and connect it with my story here. I had always said, I mean, the business was complex. I worked there during the summers growing up. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that time, but really didn't feel like it was, you know, <laughs> it was, it was for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, interestingly, I, I mentioned this, you know, gentleman I was working for in Houston, learned a ton from him, but I realized after a few years, it was, it was really just a job and it was, a, it was a yeah. good job. Right. Uh, I, I finally, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, probably more in the range of those, you know, the, the NBA friends, you know, salary and like, okay, this is, this is good. Make a difference. I, I, we planted a church here in Houston at the time. So still, you know, feeling like, Hey, you know, you know, how, how God uses us in places was good. But I, I did feel like my grandfather's health was failing. My, you know, father and others started having more conversations of, hey, my, I mentioned my brother's a doctor. A lot of the family, obviously, you know, we're, we're five, six generations in. I mean, there, there's a lot of family members, right? Yeah. There weren't really many people in the business. I think the things that I had done and been involved in, you know, I was doing things that would be somewhat relevant. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll put it that way in the business. And I was actually coming back from a trip. I was helping my dad who was raising money for living water. I put some presentations together for large donors and uh, was really honestly thinking about kind of, you know, a little bit more than the nonprofit side of, Hey, you know, just feeling this tension of like, what does it look like to use these gifts that God's given me? And maybe this is you know, an opportunity of working for large foundations, et cetera, of, you know, trying to, uh, to look at, you know, different opportunities to, to fund businesses, to fund ministries. And honestly, it was back from one of those trips that I just, I was on a plane and I don't, you know, always recommend this because I don't think God always works this way, but there's definitely been times in my life that that time in my MBA class of vocalizing that I can yeah. remember, you know, even how I was feeling of God just hit me over the head and saying, I've got something different for you. And then on that plane, it was the same thing. And, yeah. and it was this notion of, Hey, you know, you're, you're running from one thing. Yeah. Um, and I felt like, Hey, I need to go give Stuart a chance. And there were no, again, public company, you know, different family members. I, I didn't know what was going to take place while I was there. I'm no guarantees, but really felt like God said, you know, to, to, to go to Stewart at that time. And so that was my venture into Stewart. I started, ran the planning and development department. Some of my time, again, with this family office was doing mergers and acquisitions, looking at different deals and, and really started that for Stewart. There were several parts of the country that they were looking to expand in. So, you know, started doing acquisitions, started doing expansion activity, took over strategy. Some of the back office functions, again, had, had worked a lot in the industry. And that actually went well until 
the real estate uh, financial downturn, <laughs> yeah. at which time we had a, a large company and uh, about 600 legal entities, none of which were, were making money. And so I, I won't take everybody through that situation. We remember. Uh, Many remember. of us remember. Yeah. Some, some of you Of a certain vintage. And honestly, um, not getting to, you know, too much specifics, but it was really through that time. I took on much more of you know, almost a transformational role you know, in the company, uh, working with the board a lot of making a lot of transition, obviously a lot of cuts, selling different companies and uh, restructuring uh, the company and uh, was asked to take over the CEO role, you know, shortly after that. And then sat in that seat for uh, seven years and uh, really left that CEO role, you know, a couple of years ago. And again, you know, this can go a lot of different ways from a conversation. And I know we're keeping it brief, but, but it do feel like God taught me, you know, a ton through that process. And, you know, it's not necessarily how I would have written the story personally, but that's why I'm glad God's God and I'm, I'm not. I just felt really thankful for, you know, how God allowed me to be a part of that process, you know, to deal relationally with family as well as, you know, board members, as well as shareholders through that whole process. Well, there's a, there's a lot going on there with, I'm just thinking of the transition season you're in now. Um, let's see, how long ago did you leave the CEO role? role so it's just on? prior to COVID actually. So right. It's, so just a couple of years right, really. Right. And yeah. so you're sort of into this transition. So I'm thinking uh, pile on top of, okay, a public company CEO departure. Okay. That's unique enough. Happens to be a company that's essentially been around for a, over a hundred years and third generation at least running it. That so we got the family business yeah, angle. Fifth, fifth generation, fifth generation, Sorry. So you exit the family business. That's public, and so there's just there's just a lot happening. It's sort of piling pressure, frankly. I mean, that's just a sort of a transition on steroids. So. You know, we were talking a little before we started recording about some of the lessons you're learning. And I think you've just got a, a lot to share. Somebody on the treadmill listening to this who might be coming up on that season or just entering that season. So what are some of the thoughts that are stirring in your brain about that transition now? What is, what's God teaching you in this season? Yeah. And, you know, I say that's one of the reasons I feel thankful because I think God continues to teach me a lot you know, in the process. You know, one of the first you know, really realizations was that it had been a long time in my life since I had been present. And, you know, when you, again, you know, we had, you know, operations around the country, we had operations around the world. It was a large organization, traveled a lot, had, you know, 7,000 employees, 600 different locations. Um, it was it was a complex organization. And, you know, I'll even go to Jeff's original question. I also got four boys at home and, right. and uh, you know, involved in, in other ministries and things. And it was just, I, I feel like for, you know, looking back really decades, it was very, very difficult for me to be, to be present. And, you know, I was always worried about the next meeting. And I think that was the first thing that really hit me when you kind of go on you know, a million miles an hour and you kind of hit stop. And on top of that transition was COVID, which, which again, was really <laughs> God's grace because uh, actually the, the kids from college came home. Right. And we have a place just outside of Houston and we were all together and I didn't know that I'd get that time back. But it was a, I mean, I. I really cherish that time. It's yeah. kind of a weekend place that we ended up spending four to six months, you know, at, and, you know, just, just cherish that time of, of being present. But I mean, 
every morning I would still wake up, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, I was, was on this notion, you, you sleep when you die. I mean, that, that right. was, that was the only way I lived for, for a large part of my life. Um, so I'd wake up early and there's about, you know, a mile path out to this, you know, pond and I had a bench out there and I, I'd literally spend a couple hours, you know, every morning, just, you know, trying to figure out what God, you know, had for me, had in store, you know, what he wanted to teach me. And it was, you know, I, I, I cherished that time. Um, but I think learning to be present, Mm. again and i'm 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 preaching to the choir and i i could have said this to myself you know five years ago and been like yeah yeah that's easy for you to say <laughs> so i feel like i'm in that right now but that's that's one thing that really you know challenged me and the other other thing is just this idea of of control i mentioned how i thought i would have written the story i'm a big picture guy you know i know that god wins but i have a you know, I have a Wall Street Journal, you know, example for how God wins, right? <laughs> and that's kind of what, you know, I, I had designed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you go back back to family and family involvement and, you know, this kind of perceived control that may exist, this perceived control we have of our, of our life, right? You look at, and again, I'll, I'll throw COVID in here, I'll throw kids in here, right? You can think you have control, right? You do not have control. <laughs> and, and so I think it's so beneficial to me just to come back to to the grace of God and knowing like, hey, I'm not in control, but I know who is. And so I just need to rest, right? I need, I need to rest in in his hands and what he has in store because God's God and God's good. And, you know, he, he knows much more than I. And I think that just allows us to live, you know, with, with this pursuit of, you know, of holiness and understanding him um, and hopefully, you know, engaging in our world in, in different ways that the world needs. You mentioned something earlier about leaving a tribe in search of a savior. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, a little bit to this this hamster wheel I was talking about. You know, I, I feel like because so much, at least in my life, is going on, you know, it, it's easy to fall into, yes, I'm connected here, here, and here, right? Uh, these tribes are moving in this direction. And so you just kind of latch on. And to what without, the group is doing, to You're what the group is doing, group. they're going yes. this way. I guess I'll go that way. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, this really goes to, I think, some of the tribalism we've seen and, and whether it's political, whether it's within the church right now, you know, it's, it's this polarization of society that we have. And, and a lot of it to me is not necessarily, you know, it's, it's, it's what you believe, but how you implement that belief. It probably is, is my biggest concern if I talk about leaving a tribe in search of a savior, just, you know, if, if we're not in control, right. If, if God is in control, how does he, how does he allow us to enact, you know, his, his hope and mercy in situations? How does he allow us to love all people as he loved all people? And so I, I think it really has challenged me to, you know, kind of get out of my, my comfort zones. Cause I, I think again, you know, this tribalism, I think comes from people not having relationships, people not having friendships, but they want that identity, right? Mm -hmm. All this goes back to identity. Yeah. Like I identify with this, this team, I identify with this team, right? So I'm, you know, forget what I believe, right? I'm, I'm running there. It's easier. It's just easier, right? If I say, I believe what everybody else believes, and then I'm accepted and I'm loved and, you know, that's my identity. And I think mm -hmm. God calls us to so much more of really clinging to him and not these uh, tribes, which we know are human, right? Human institutions, whatever they may be, are, are, are fallen and, you know, have, have fallen leaders. And so I think it just behooves all of us to really seek Christ above all, put our identity in him and him alone. Mm, love that. 
And another thing that you've talked about is now that you're out of the big public company, uh, maybe you've come full circle back to you sort of have this freedom that you maybe had early days before you joined yeah. the big company and you're able to kind of pick your own investments and what you're involved in and manage your calendar professionally as well as personally, you know, so I know you're involved in lots of areas that that are related to sort of business as a mission. So what is your, and of course, this is the Generous Business Owner Podcast. So I know a lot of the folks walking down the street listening are, are uh, you know, they've got, God's planted something in them that wants to be generous and they're trying to figure out how to manifest that self, that in, in their own business lives. So how do you sort of think about business as a mission? I think you've got some interesting thoughts around that. Yeah. Again, you know, I go back to my early, you know, earlier days were probably a little more entrepreneurial than, you know, your traditional public company, you know, CEO might have had. But one thing that has been really fun is to use, you know, I think, you know, again, what God has blessed me with um, to really engage with business owners that really want to, you know, glorify God in in the business setting. And I I think we all see the church. potentially <laughs> waning in its authority in our world and business, which, you know, for a long time, you know, what was kind of on, on the bottom of the trust barometer, right, has started coming up and the ability to, I think, create work environments that allow people to flourish and use the gifts that God's given them is to me a huge, you know, opportunity. And so, you know, when I think about generosity and, you know, kind of growing up, and probably a lot of people listening are, are in the same genre, right? It was, it was like, I, I make all my money over here and I'm going to give it away over here, which is, you know, and, and you're not in ministry, you're in business, <laughs> right. kind of a separation. Well, yeah. Right? And, and, and you can, you can fund, right? right. You're, you're the goer or you're the funder. Right. You're right. on mission Sunday, right? You're right. one or the other. And I always struggled with that a little bit. I was right. like, I, I want to do both. Right. Like, right. I, they can't have all the fun, right? I right. was like, this is uh, God's doing some great things that I want to see and be a part of. And yeah. so, the ability to combine those a little bit more has been fun. And, and, I, and I, I see, you know, I'm able now. So what, what I'm trying to be involved in, I'm, I'm actually serving on several public company boards and yeah. several uh, smaller boards of startup companies, somewhat with a relation to, you know, financial services and or real estate combined to hopefully leverage some of, you know, some of the background that I've had over the last 15 years, but really with people that are looking to make a difference and, and make an impact with the business that they have. And so that's just been fun to walk alongside CEOs, advising them, being involved as they build and grow the business and, and wanting to do so in a way that, that glorifies God in the process. And again, these are not necessarily you know, illicitly Christian businesses, right? Yeah. But, but they're CEOs that want to do things, what, that want to enter the marketplace and be in, but not up, right? They want to make an impact. They want to make a difference. And, you know, we, we talk about generosity and this idea because, you know, I think any business owner, right? You could say, hey, you've, you've got an asset there and, you know, should you sell it and give all your money away, right? I mean, that, that's a decision every business owner has to have. And I think one thing I encourage you know, people is, hey, you know, investing in your business, right, is generous, right? You could just take all your money, you know, sell it and, you know, go uh, buy your island and, you know, live, live a carefree life and, you know, use the Piper quote of collecting seashells for the rest of your life, right? But that's, you've chosen to use God's gifts to invest in your business. And that's not wrong. I mean, that's generous to create more jobs and create more flourishing and create opportunities for, for 
for people. You know, at the same time, there, there's obviously, you know, great nonprofits I'm involved in. But I, again, it goes back to this point of control and, and there's really no right answers, despite what tribe you may, you may be in and what you're being pressed to do is just, you know, goes back to this idea of being present and uh, seeing where God wants you to plug in and how you can engage with those around you, you know, for, for his glory. And it's, if you're generous, you know, with, with the finances that God's been giving you again, to invest in your business, that's going to continue to, you know, spread, you know, God's love and compassion in the workplace or, you know, invest in businesses that again, allow people to flourish, you know, around the world in ways that see Christ and see the love of Christ. You know, in my mind, it's not a, you know, it's not a two bucket issue. It's, it's a one bucket issue and all, all my assets are God's assets. So, you know, where does he want me to use my, you know, time, talents and, and treasure, you know, for his name. And I think business is a great place to invest and do that. I, I think this is such an important point because, you know, we've had some folks from halftime most recently Lloyd mm-hmm. Reeve on the, on the podcast and, and they do a great job. Of course, Bob Buford started it where, you know, he sold a business and started, you know, kind of doing the nonprofit thing. And he always kind of, was bummed out that a lot of people thought that that was, he was trying to promote that as the only model where he had to leave uh, business to do that. And so he was always saying, Hey, do it in the marketplace. But I think you're adding another level. And I know before we started recording, you use this term, you know, a, a redemptive place to work. Right. So I like this idea of generosity also being creating a redemptive place to work. It's not that you just keep your job to generate income to give away is generosity. Right. Actually creating that redemptive place to work is generosity. I think that's a really cool thought for people to think about. You know, sometimes they just think about it, it's just the money yeah. that I've got to do. Well I'll keep the right. job so I'll have the money to do the thing or have the influence. Right. Right. It's also generosity to your employees. Yeah. By the way you manage that. So yeah. I think that's a uh, really cool. And I think our world is is waking up to the idea. And again, I'm, you know, I've been able to be a part of, I mean, there's some great organizations, you know, Praxis and Faith Driven Investor and, you know, a lot of groups that I think are talking about this and, and you know, elevating the issue. But this isn't that your business is less profitable. I think a lot of times when people say, well, that that means I'm going to take money from the bottom line, right? And, and reallocate it, or I'll be more generous here. And, and I, you know, again, I'm not not saying that's the answer. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, for some people it is, for some people it isn't. But again, I think it's, you know, do you wake up every day and say, hey, here's here's what God wants me to do today. Like this, this is how I can make an impact and, you know, and, and live well. And so I, I think there's definitely opportunities on the, on the business side to say, hey, here's, you know, here's how I can glorify God. I mean, we, we desperately need, <laughs> I think, you know, back to the polarization issue, we definitely need leaders out there that care about their people, that care about their customers, that care about their constituencies, all of them. And I think the world right now is, is looking for that, right? I mean, again, I grew up, you know, I was at you know, college and grad school, you know, 80s and 90s, right? It's, it's the definition of the bottom line. Shareholder wins, right? That's the end of the day. Screw everybody else, right? What's your older wins? Didn't Wall Street and say so, the Wall Street movie? They said greed is good. Greed is good. That was literally right? the era. And uh, but but now I'm, you know, and again we won't go on on rabbit trails yeah. of ESG and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But there, there's a lot in our society saying, hey, we we missed something. 
right? Yeah. And I think as Christian business owners, like we we know the answer, like like speak up. I mean, you can look for all these other things of what business can do in different constituencies that we have. But but again, the world's craving leaders that say, yeah, there, there is something more than that bottom line. And but it, world, it may not be what you're thinking it is, <laughs> but we can do this in a way that makes an impact and makes people look up and say, hey, right, you know, God's God's leading us toward, you know, toward heaven, right? Uh, we, we continue to see, you know, God's God's grace and mercy and, you know, business should be a place for that. So I love that. I love that. It's really a holistic view of generosity yeah. Yeah. as a business owner. And uh, now, you know, we always try to wrap up with some kind of practical tip for the person maybe uh, coming behind you. But before I do that, Jeff Rudd, do you have any other questions? Oh, for just, Matt? just loving what you're uh, picking up, what you're laying down here, Matt, just beautiful, you know, Quite simply, you know, God tells us, you know, love him and love others, right? We, that, we do that. We need to do that on the mission field, in the church, in the business place, and jobs in Jesus. Now, there's a lot of dignity, whether that job is, you know, the CEO of a Fortune 100 or you're, you know, you're using what you have in your hands in Burundi, Africa to, you know, start a small business. There's a lot of, lot of dignity there. Yeah, I love that whole concept of truly caring and really looking around and saying, hmm, it seems like God might have placed me here. And there's a lot of harvest right in front of us. So yeah, would love to hear you, you know, share with us one takeaway that for our listener who may be running on a treadmill or, you know, running around Houston or Alaska with their, uh, listen to the podcast, what's a takeaway that you would want them to, to think about? Yeah, well, Several takeaways, but I, w- I would be remiss, you know, Jeff, if not even just commenting back on on your work with hope and, you know, your your dignity word resonates with me routinely. And, you know, we talked about travel and exposing kids to different things and one trip, you know, with, with you down to the DR mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, again, I think we, we talk about dignity in the workplace and we see it one way here going down and meeting those small business owners in their community that you know, had nothing that took out that small business loan. I mean, you just see it on a on micro enterprise, but I mean, on a micro basis to say, hey, here's what dignity looks like. Here's what enabling someone to use the gifts that God has given them, right? You see that in ways that are hard to see in you know American society when we really have so much, but it is so clear when you go to some of those markets and you see, you know, people really give the, you know, are you know able to use the dignity that God's given them and not only starting businesses, but hiring people in their communities and starting schools and starting, you know, healthcare. I mean, what that does for that community of just adding that dignity and saying, hey, this is, you know, God's given you gifts and we just want to enable that, right? You are fully capable of helping yourself. Right? You're you're fully capable of engaging your community so much better than we as Americans are coming over here and telling you what to do, right? <laughs> but, and, you know, so maybe this is the takeaway for business owners here, right? You can listen to podcasts and read the journals, um, right? God has something unique for you and your business. And 
find a way to be present in that business and add dignity in your workplace and your environment. It may or may not look the same as everybody else in your C12 group or whatever that may be. And all these groups are good. So again, I'm not, not deminimizing any of these helpful resources, but just know that God has put you here at a time for this. God has you in your seat for right now. And it may be hard and you may be wishing for another time, but you're here right now. And you may be tired. I mean, I think this goes to COVID, but you may feel like you're done, but God has you here for a time as this. And so just you know, ask him what that is, because you know, there, there's a reason you are in the position you're in right now. And that should be glorious. And so just for everybody that's listening, that is in that seat, that maybe feels feels tired or worn out, just know, you know, just that God should empower you because you're, you're right where he wants you to be. Wow. Well, that's a perfect way to wrap up. I think, you know, one of the things I wrote down, you know, as you were speaking was, you know, generosity to your own employees is a ministry. And so we're in a bit of a economic slowdown, maybe as a kind way of saying it right now. And I'm just, I'm talking to lots of business owners who are, you know, they're dipping into the savings to keep the growth going or whatever, or to save employees or whatever the case may be. And even though that's not giving to a 501c3, that is a form of generosity. Yeah. You know, it is. to give them a, a great place to work and use their God-given yeah. gifts. So yeah. uh, and again, there's better. no right answer. I mean, the only yeah. thing I'd say in, in a little bit openness of that, I was in a call a couple of weeks ago with a CEO who called me and said, I've I've never fired someone as a Christian before. What do I do? Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, walk, again, no right answers. But but yes, he, what he realized in his life was, but even, even in downturns, right? Again, being honest, we can get into employee reviews and everything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. This doesn't mean that you don't run your business very no, well. No, that's right. What it means, I mean, the, the you know, most generous thing you can do is, is to be honest with people and, and you, know, you know, again, steward the asset that God's given you. But how he lets that person go is different than it was than before That's he was true. a believer. You can do it in so, a grace-filled manner. Uh, anyway, yes. it was just, yes. just a great conversation to walk through that process and say, hey, what is, you know, how do you, how do you manage culture? Again, you know, Jeff and I are in real estate. We're used to ups and downs, right? You kind of have to ride the wave and it's it's hard um, and ups and downs, but there was ways to do that that, you know, allow people to, uh, you know, hopefully glorify God in the process. So these are all opportunities just to see God's glory. Well, Matt, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for being with us on the uh, Generous Business Owner Podcast. Jeff Rutt, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Matt. This has been powerful and engaging, encouraging, enriching. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you all. All right. Blessings to all. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.